Hey, OdiCloudists, thanks for tuning in, and welcome back to the OdiCloud NetSuite Community Podcast. Today, OdiCloud co-founders Osar Yamu and Hada Rain will be sitting down with Oracle's very own Britt McKay, a seasoned and certified NetSuite consultant. She'll be talking about her experiences as a woman in tech, as well as her experiences as a former accounting manager and corporate controller. As always, thank you guys for listening. Hope you guys enjoy. All right, Britt. So uh, thanks for joining us on uh, on our session here for um, uh, Odipod here. Uh, and, um, you know, again, as Ozar mentioned, um, we like to talk about different subjects each and every time. Sometimes we'll talk about something that's related. Sometimes we'll get technical, but more or less, it always comes back to the person. Um, and today's session uh, is special because, you know, it's, it's focused on you and um, especially because, you know, well, one thing I will highlight uh, that I want you to keep in mind for today's session is the fact that you know, generally, this is my perspective. I may be uh, mistaken, and you can share your perspective. But I find that just in technology in general, you don't see as many women, right? Like there's there's much uh, much fewer women, and and there's a, a, like you know when I first started in Netsuite because that's where I began my career. My entire team uh, was like mostly mostly men, especially developers. Developers, it's a different story. So I mean, uh, you know, um, um, th- that's going to be a subject that we that we get into. But uh, but why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? how you started in the NetSuite realm, you know, kind of walk us through high level of uh, your journey and how you ended up, um, you know, learning about NetSuite and being a NetSuite implement, uh, like NetSuite consultant. Perfect. Well, thank you guys for inviting me. I feel like a celebrity. Um, <laughs> you are. <laughs> one day, one day this podcast will be, this was my start in my stardom. <laughs> Absolutely. So a little bit about me. I have an accounting and finance background, mm-hmm. which is kind of still a little weird before I even start to talk about NetSuite because I went to school for finance. I thought I wanted to be a trader and I wanted to do um, portfolio management and wealth management. And I realized, yeah, that's like a stressful life. Probably don't want to do that. Yeah. So I stumbled into fund accounting Um, as my first job out of college. And I worked at a company called State Street in Boston. And from fund accounting, I kind of like got into this accounting world. If you know accounting and finance, you know that it's two different things. It is still financials, but it's two different worlds. In finance, you're more so looking towards the future, whereas in accounting, you're looking at the past all the time. Right. So two different worlds. And my background was more in finance. So I did maybe three accounting courses my entire um, time in school because it was mostly finance. Um, So I kind of was good at it. Um, I ended up moving down to Miami and working at a private equity um, company where I did, I still was doing like, like fund accounting and working with like their funds and stuff like that. Right. And um, probably like maybe three years into it, I got approached to work at a startup. And the startup was on Miami Beach. It's a fintech company. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that startup had no financials, no financial system, no nothing. It was, everything was being tracked in Excel. So I came in, I was like, oh, this is like a nice challenge, you know, coming in, running your own accounting department. I started out as the first person 
in that department and I had to hire everybody in. Um, so I was like, yeah, you know, this is like a new, new career direction. It's going to move me like forward in my career because it's a brand new company and I'm running the department. So I get there, like I said, there's no accounting system. Um, the owner gives me an Excel file that he's been tracking and he's not an accounting or finance person at all. He's more of a sales guy. And um, he gives me this Excel file that he's tracking. And I remember my first week, I sat in my office with the door closed, just trying to figure out what the hell was going on. This Excel file. So for the first like nine months, I blew up that Excel file to the point where I ran financials through it. I had investor reports going all through this report, um, finance, this Excel file. I was exporting things into PDF and providing investor reports and financial statements that, that looked like it came from a system, but in reality, it's fake it to make it. So nine months into it, I tell them I'm done. I can't, I can't continue manually um, updating Excel. I, like I can't, like I'm at my peak. We need to get an accounting system. So this guy is it's a he's a young the owner. He was a young startup, very hungry, very motivated type of guy. I remember like feeling like this was the next Facebook, you know, he was the next Mark Zuckerberg. That's like how motivated and energetic he was. And I think I tell him this on like a Friday, and by Monday, he's like, We've got a we have a call with a salesperson at NetSuite. And I've never heard of NetSuite ever. I thought he was going to say, let's just get QuickBooks. He's like, yeah, no, we're going to NetSuite. And his reasoning for NetSuite is the number one competitor in the space that just went um, IPO was on NetSuite. He found out that they were using He's that type of guy. Well, the number one person is using NetSuite. We're going to use NetSuite. Yeah. So we get NetSuite. I have no idea what I'm getting myself into. At this point, I have an accounting uh, um, accounting supervisor working for me that probably started maybe six months before that. Mm-hmm. I have a receptionist turned accounting clerk because I like literally grabbed her off the receptionist desk and I'm like, hey, help me help me import bills and invoices because I can't even I can't do this. And and I had one more person. I don't feel like I had this person when I first started. I think I hired them like midway through the the implementation. But whatever it was, it was a staff, another staff accountant. And so we start up NetSuite. He signs the contract. Never heard of the system in my life. Never seen the system in my entire life. Maybe a month later, the NetSuite consultant guys come into the office. We sit with them for like every day of our lives for probably the first week. And the company is unique in that the CRM, we were still using our CRM in Salesforce. And and he did not want to deviate from that because at that point, we only really wanted NetSuite for the accounting features, not necessarily for the CRM. We'd already had a robust um, team in in Mumbai that like managed all of our Salesforce and we were like customizing it like crazy. Um, At one point, we had put a phone system through there that they custom built so he was not parting with Salesforce. He, he loved Salesforce. So it was more of a, we need to figure out how to integrate NetSuite and Salesforce, which we did. We ended up, um, we would have transactions or like 
we, we would call them funding because it's a fintech company, transactions that would fund would automatically go into NetSuite by EDI. It would automatically go into NetSuite um, and create like uh, invoices and bills and stuff like that in NetSuite for the accounting department. So it ended up happening. It took a year. So that's one, probably my biggest recommendation. The team that's implementing is also the team that's running your business. You know, it's not like in most cases, it's not like you're going to take that person away from running the business and say only implement. That person has to do both. So, you know, you have to account for time. You have to account for the fact that the person's not implementing all day, every day. They're not reviewing all day, every day. They're also trying to run your business. So hence, not only am I trying to run his business, I'm trying to help implement the system with the consultants. And I've got two people that are basically like, um, one is an accounting clerk that really was a receptionist. And then I, I do have an accounting guy, but he's only one person. And you're talking about implementing an entire system that's never been on a system into NetSuite. Yeah. So that was about six or seven years ago. It was pre-Oracle, before they were even purchased by Oracle. So I feel like it was about six or seven years ago when this happened, like 2015, 2016, um, around that time when when I did that implementation. So like I said, it took a year. So Mm -hmm. I get every day the CFO CFO and the CEO where we have NetSuite why is this yeah. taking so long yeah. you know and this this fintech company they had daily transactions like daily remittances from their customers and you're talking about 500 customers and every day we're adding new customers so as i'm getting ahead today and then tomorrow i got a, a batch of brand new data. From like yeah. 500 customers. It's not like, you know, one or two invoices a month. You're talking about 500 customers on a daily basis is providing wow. remittances and customer payments. Wow. And so I took so long. Yeah. So we we finally get in. We're a well-oiled machine. It's yeah. lovely, right? So then it's time to renew Salesforce. So we're in NetSuite loving our lives. We finally get it working. You know, it's all wonderful. I'm a well-owned machine. My team's stacked at this point. I finally, I'm finally breathing, right? So Salesforce comes in, gets its time for the Salesforce renewal. And Salesforce is pushing financial force. Okay. Yeah. Salesforce is like, if you get financial force, we can give you guys XXX of a discount. Yeah, because I believe it was, I think they had just purchased financial force around this time. So it was a big push for financial force. And like I said, we had already established an IT department basically in Mumbai, right? Yeah, and yeah. this department was very Salesforce heavy. Now NetSuite is Java, so it's totally different. We had even had instances where we would do career like like uh, career days in Mumbai to try to get people to come in from NetSuite, and at that time NetSuite just wasn't that popular. Everything was all about Salesforce. Yeah. So Salesforce is selling us for like maybe a week. And I I remember like two weeks into it, the CEO pulls me into his office and he's like, what do you think about us moving into financial force? And I'm like, I 
do not. I uh, spent yeah. a year and a half of my life <laughs> trying to get into NetSuite. I'm finally yeah. here. It's finally working. Yeah. And yeah. now you want me to now do another implementation into yeah. financial course? <laughs> so he was like, okay, I figured you'd say that. You know, so it goes away for like another week or so. Because, you know, they're, they're talking to you on the renewal probably like two, three months before. Yeah. So like the first month, he's like thinking about whether he's going to ask me. And then the second month, he asked me and I'm like, yeah, no. And then by that third month, he comes to me and he's like, yeah, bro, we're moving to financial force. The, the discount is great. And, you know, like we have more people, you know, the rationale was great. You know, we have more people that can service it. NetSuite's pretty limited. Honestly, you're the only person that really knows how to run the system. So, you know, his rationale was great. I told him, well, I guess you made your decision. I really like there's nothing. It's not like you're going to change your mind. And I said, no. And the decision was made. I stayed with the company probably for another like six, seven months after that, um, hating life because it was like, oh, we have to start doing the financial force implementation. And, you know, like we started like the pre-work. And then it just never worked out because it was because I always felt a way about the fact that I'd spent all that time in that suite. And you you then pull the rug under me when I finally a well-oiled machine to tell me to put in again. So that didn't work out. So I go to another company um, that is an e-commerce and SaaS and data company. And they were midway through um, implementing that suite, but their um, controller had, had maternity leave. So, and she was leading the implementation. She had maternity leave and she had to leave. So they kind of needed somebody to replace her, right? Mm-hmm. So I come in basically more on a contract basis to help them get up to speed while she's gone. Um, this company had maybe 30 subsidiaries. Um, and they were using QuickBooks Pro. And in QuickBooks Pro, you can't consolidate. So obviously, that's the beauty of one of the beauties of NetSuite on the financial side is that it ought, like it'll consolidate your financials for you. You can do your auto eliminations. In QuickBooks Pro, you have to pull all of your subsidiaries separate, yeah. export them into Excel, and consolidate in Excel, Right. Right, right. So keep in mind, I came in to be the NetSuite implementation person, but the controller's gone, and someone needs to consolidate manually in Excel. Yeah, and, and is is a new job, right? Oh, consolidating in Excel manually. Wow. So in addition to trying to help them implement this stuff. Wow. That's so interesting your your story so far. I mean, so you started off more so like in the finance realm, and then and then you transitioned over into NetSuite. And I I can kind of relate to that. It's funny when you mentioned that because I actually studied uh, finance and and business in school. So I I always thought, yeah, you know, that's what I'm going to go into. And then the more uh-huh. I got into my studies, I was like, crap, I'm not enjoying this stuff at all. Like, you know, I don't want to work for a it's bank. I don't want to do all that. Fun. And then I went to NetSuite where I was still doing financials. But I like the tech aspect of it. You know, that's what I really enjoyed. And I never knew I would like that until I actually got some hands-on experience and then decided, hey, you know, how can I break into this field? Because I was just naturally, you know, good at it, to be honest. Right. Um, so, so, so tell me a little bit about like, you know, um, 
after this, you know, after kind of like doing this implementation, how did you, you know, transition into a career in, in NetSuite specifically? And, um, you know, um, if you could just, you know, walk me through that um, a little bit, please. So, so like I said, you know, yeah. they needed me to consolidate the, the accounting person was in there and yeah. it was, it's completely miserable because you're talking about downloading data and then they're changing numbers all the time. So you run it one minute and it's one number and you run it the next minute, it's another number. It's a million intercompany trends transfers. So if one company changes, another company obviously changed because it's all intercompany. Completely miserable. Um, I stay on for a bit where I'm like the financial reporting manager slash NetSuite administrator, but really I ended up getting sucked into accounting. And that was the moment I realized I didn't want to do accounting because I realized that I enjoyed the tech side, the optimization side, the process improvement. Hey, I have a problem. How do I get it into NetSuite? How do I optimize it? I realized then, and that was more of what I enjoyed than the consolidating financials and month-end process and accruals and all of that stuff. I, I'm strong, like in terms of, you know, the theory behind it, so I can do it, but my enjoyment isn't in, you know, month-end financials and, and booking accruals and booking amort- creating amortization schedules and offline schedules. That's not... That's sexy to me <laughs> at all. <laughs> yeah, no, that's not it. <laughs> so it was at that job that I realized that I wanted to go full frontal into NetSuite. I did not, I did not decide at that point that I really wanted to be a consultant yet. I still was like on that, you know, I like full-time job. Like I've always done that. So, you know, like I never really... Like it wasn't, it wasn't an idea yet to like say, you know, let's start consulting. It was more like, I still like the comfort and, you know, of coming in and like, I was still like, like traditional accounting mindset still at that point Yeah. Um, before I like decided to like branch off. So after that company, I worked at, it was like another situation where they were halfway through an implementation, but in mm-hmm. this case, it was a car audio company. Okay. They were just about ready to go live, but the the owner was kind of nervous. Like I kind of like took the training wheels off for him. Like I got him his comfort to go live. Gotcha. And um, but it was totally different than anything I've ever done because remember, I did fintech and yeah. I did e-commerce and SaaS. So like retail, pick pack and ship and warehousing that order fulfillment, that is not my realm. I never did that. I never did inventory and cost accounting. I always worked like more in financial and fintech and fund accounting types type of companies. Right. So this one kind of took me out of my comfort zone because at that point I'm then learning about three PLs and like all of those. Uh, Cause remember we made a homegrown integration between NetSuite and Salesforce. I didn't know so much about the three PLs and all of those bundles that we can add in, you know? So that's when I got my 
my start into like Saligo's integration with Shopify and, and Amazon and how that all works and pick, pack and ship and warehousing. All of that stuff was totally new to me when I got there. Um, but it was great because, you know, he got comfortable. And I think like after maybe three, four months of me being there and he was trying to go live for like a year. And I think three, four months of me being there, we, we went live um in that suite you know little hiccups here and there but you know it's always like that but we went live and he was trying to do it for a year and yeah and then that's when I just started decided to like really go into consulting because after he because after he went live after after a year of trying to go live then it was like well do you want to help me on accounting stuff now and I was like yeah no (laughs) Exactly. So, um, so yeah, so that's when I decided full fledged account, um, consulting. I've worked at a ton of companies now, like from a lot of retail, I've done some food and beverage companies at this point. Um, still a little bit of FinTech, but mostly retail right now. I feel like this system is really good for retail companies and wholesalers and manufacturing. Um, There's a company that's about to go IPO that I'm working with. So that adds a little bit of complexity. So I feel like I'm seeing a lot more of the features of the system now that I'm a consultant rather than when you're working in the business as an administrator, because you're only looking at what they have. And now as a consultant, you get all of these different flavors. You know, this, 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 this um, client needs multi-book because they want to have gap accounting in their primary book and they want to have IFRS in their secondary book, you know, so you get to see like all of the different functions that NetSuite has. And I don't feel like many people realize (laughs) just how powerful this system is and how many things that the system can do. Yeah. Because yeah. they only see their one little piece that, yeah. you know, this is what we do all day, every day. And they don't realize yeah. how robust and how customizable the system is, which is a gift and a curse. Yeah. So <laughs> I think uh, actually that's a good point that you bring up, Britt, because that's something that we focus on here on Cloud actually. Uh, because I truly believe, you know, as a consultant, a lot of the implementations I've done, I mean, when you do an implementation, you're just taking them live baseline, like taking their existing processes taking them live. And then, you know, it takes a little while for the client to get settled and used to everything. But majority of the clients don't ever really enhance further. They kind of figure out what they need to do and then they stick to it. And what's your experience, you know, on that? Uh, Because I truly feel like you mentioned, there's so much automation, customization. Sometimes it's worth it. Sometimes it's not because of the level of customization that may be needed. But what's your experience, you know, on that uh, and and, and what you've seen in the past? So I've seen both rounds. I've seen highly customized instances that, you know, it could be, it's great initially, but then when NetSuite starts to update from 1.0 suite script to 2.0 suite script, you've got to convert all of those scripts over that you customized. So like I said, it's a gift and a curse because you do have the ability to truly optimize your system and optimize your process with scripts and workflows, adding additional bundles, but you can overdo it. 
So I like to demo native functionality first. And there's a lot of native functionality. And I'll give you an example. Vendor prepayments. Vendor prepayments is native, but there's also a bundle for the vendor prepayments that gives you all this wonderful extra stuff. But people would normally obviously want the vendor prepayment bundle because, you know, that sounds sexier and flashier and all that. But it's you still have to maintain it. And you have to know what type of business you have and the expertise of like, let's say your IT department or your administrator to be able to maintain suite scripts and bundles that are offline. So I say it's a gift and a curse because I like to gear people towards using the native functionality because NetSuite loves to update also. They update their native functionality all the time Mm -hmm. with new releases but then yet you created a script and a workflow to be able to do the same stuff. And then later NetSuite updates it. And then we have to unwind all of it. So I say that to say that it's amazing the amount of customization you can do in the system, but you also have to be very careful to over customize. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think Martin had, uh, just to go back to your question I had, I think, Rich, you're actually 100% right on that because the more tools you have to customize, you know, you can go crazy and over-customize. But even before that, even before you go to customization, in my experience, once you go live with NetSuite, you're actually leveraging about 30% of the native functionality, right? Mm-hmm. Because you bring in your existing processes into NetSuite. The business is still probably small at a time, early stage, you know, series B, kind of, you know, getting your business started. But most of your processes are going to be built, you know, like over the next, like, like over time. So at the end of the day, you have 30% of NetSuite being deployed. You're paying 100% because they charge you for all of it, right? So right. even just sticking within the modules already in NetSuite, as you just said, vendor prepayment, there right. are all the modules like that, all the features like that, just right. staying within those, right. those, you know, that scope. You can actually right. deploy more and more to get to the hundred percent before even thinking, before you think of even customizing after that, right? So I right. think that's where I actually see value after go live. Yeah, let's now let's see what's already there. <laughs> I see the button, exactly. I see the enable feature checkbox is there. What's already there? You're paying for that you haven't leveraged yet. Right? That's true. Also. I mean, and there are instances too where there's no way around it. You have to customize it. Like for instance, blanket sales orders. NetSuite doesn't have anything for blanket sales orders yet. But if you're in food and beverage where you get an order from Costco for the entire year and, you know, they tell you, well, we want you to ship X amount every quarter, you need a blanket sales order. You know, NetSuite doesn't have that functionality yet. So in that case, you kind of have no choice but to come up with some sort of customization, mm-hmm. you know? However, NetSuite does have blanket purchase orders. So if they have blanket purchase right. orders. I'm sure the product team's working on blanket sales orders. In the meantime, you'd have to customize it because it doesn't exist yet. But who knows in another year or so, blanket sales orders natively might get added in the next release. Yeah. So that's... That's another reason why you need guidance in that suite. Like, I think a lot of people feel like, you know, 
let's go live. We know what we need to go live with. And after that, we don't need any other, we don't need help from NetSuite Consultants. No, because the system's so customizable and there's so many updates that happens, we're in the cloud, you have to have some sort of guidance. I've seen customers go rogue, create a million different custom segments, a million different custom fields. Then they have scripts on some of the custom fields with the same name and you don't even know custom field is this go with, you know, so that's it. And then, then you're in a situation where you're spending hours, you're burning hours for somebody just to unwind what you did, yeah. you know, cause I've seen that. I've seen that where, you know, small company um, and the CEO goes in and makes a bunch of custom fields. And then the CFO yeah. goes in and creates another <laughs> bunch of custom fields, you yeah. know, and then you create a script based on the CEO's custom fields and realize, Oh wait, the same fields are same over field. here. <laughs> Yeah, You know, and that's why you can't just go rogue, you know, like you can learn it as much as you can, but guidance is still very important before the implementation, during the implementation and after the implementation. Yeah. So um, on that note, I mean, you know, I'm just, I'm just curious to, uh, to hear your perspective, like in each one of the implementations you've done, what would you say? You know, if there's a consistent aspect that you found to be very challenging uh, that you've seen recurring across the board, what would that what would that be? Okay, I'd say two things. Okay, and and keep in mind that I'm mostly dealing with accounts. Yeah, yeah. Managing expectations. Yeah. <laughs> Managing expectations yeah. is probably the biggest thing. And everybody wants to bring their, their historical transactions over. Yep. Everybody. <laughs> everybody wants to tell you, I want an entire year or however long all of the yeah. transactions to come over, right? And I use this analogy. You have a container full of boxes. Yeah. You can go in and put an X in each individual box. Or you could put one big X on the whole container. <laughs> right. What's easier? Yeah, I, I <laughs> think we should have it. Individually <laughs> or creating one big X. Yeah. Exactly. You know, and it's that people don't also don't realize that NetSuite works on records. And I think that's probably, actually, I would say that's number three, the three yeah. most yeah. challenging. Yeah. Because the fact that, your GL impact on your financial statements happens on a record basis. So your, so your inventory moves when you receive the item on your item receipt, Yeah, you know, your cogs moves when you fulfill the item on the item fulfillment, you know, the sales happens when you create your invoice. People don't realize that NetSuite works on, records so not only is it you know understanding how each transaction impact how you how each record impacts your financial statements but also the fact that if you upload every single transaction they're different records it's not like taking one big excel file and putting all your data in and uploading everything doesn't work that way you have to upload by record and that's where understanding that if you, when you explain that, I find that I have to have that conversation the most explaining why it's not a good idea to go in and put in 
your historical transaction records. Then they'll say, okay, well, let's just do them as GL account, GL journal entries. Why? Why do them as journal entries? There's no detail. (laughs) You know, there's no detail. You're not putting any, like, it makes no sense. It's just counterintuitive to put in transactions that are journal entries that that are supposed to be really transactions. Yeah. So so here's one thing, right? So I think the first time you and I spoke, uh, we have this long conversation that was about data migration, right? So I think we can have an entire segment on just that fact. I think (laughs) one thing I want to bring up in this conversation, though, is that one aspect of your personality first and also your, your expertise and your past experience as a professional is that one of the best ways I've seen tackle this issue. Because me having this conversation with a CFO or controller, I don't have that um, credibility. Right. I even don't have a language to even explain right. it. So you haven't right. been in finance, right. haven't been a controller, haven't seen the, seen the other side of this work. You know, I, mean, right. I can tell you it is not necessary to do that, right? So yeah. you have that, you know, you have that credibility that once you bring someone like you into that conversation, it changes yeah. everything. From someone that, like true. me that cannot even recognize was 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 a credit or a debit, <laughs> <laughs> telling the controller, trust me, you don't have to bring that data. Into it. So first of all, who are you? What's your name? Where are you from? Like, what have you done in your life to tell me what I need to do? Right. So I think going back to our conversation again about you know having been that professional in finance and accounting, and now being more on the technical side, yeah. it is a huge advantage because yeah. for me it helps. Not only like technical stuff in NetSuite is easy, the difficult stuff is really that communication, that business process understanding. And for me, the first time we spoke, I was like, good, this person has both at the same time and equally good. So that's why I was speaking to Ahad, let's bring you on, let's hear you talk about it. And I think for my, for the question I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask you now is that, how do you feel that for any other domain, right? you have your finance background, which is great. But we also have other consultants with manufacturing background. Right. Do you think, like, how do you feel that it's been helpful for you to navigate these different conversations, right? Yeah, for yeah. sure. For sure. And I think it is an advantage because most people in tech don't have accounting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm in the minority, so to speak, um, where I can, like, I can speak both languages pretty much. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not a coder or anything. Yeah. Yeah. But I understand the process. Like I under, I know what I want to see. I know what accountants want to see and I can explain it. So I do feel like I've got that best of both worlds in that sense that I can say, look, this is what we need to see. Can we create a workflow that's going to do move this to this field? And then I can talk it through with the technical person and then I can validate it because I know what it should look like. Right. So I do agree. And it's so crazy because like I said, I was never an accounting person. So I would always put pressure on myself with the fact that, you know, you're not really even an accounting person. So <laughs> you're doing all this accounting stuff. <laughs> you don't even have that accounting background. Like yeah. what are you going to do in your life? Yeah. And you know, like everything happens for a reason, right? Because yeah. I'm not really doing accounting, which is great for me, mm-hmm. but it is like pivotal in my job and I, and I understand it and I can speak to it while I'm doing what I really enjoy in technology. Yeah. yeah. 
you Absolutely. know, everything happens for a reason. You know, yeah. at that time in my 20s, I was like, I don't understand this. Why am I doing this? Should I go get my CPA? <laughs> yeah. And I was stressing myself out about it because yeah. I felt like, you know, I've got like I have all this accounting experience, but then I don't really have because, you know, if you you know, when you meet accountants that have CPAs, yeah, you know, exactly. all snobs, <laughs> so they're all like, well, you don't have your CPA. <laughs> And I'm like, yeah, but I understand how it should look and I know how to put it in the system. <laughs> exactly. You know, that's a little edge. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> no, true. So, so, think, yeah, so I, yeah. you know, everything happens for a reason. It worked out in the end. Yeah. And also one thing that I had mentioned right in the beginning of this call yeah. is about, you know, you, there's very few women in this space. Honestly, I can count in the committee. I mean, we have probably less than 10, right? So, so I think what I also find interesting is that, you know, you have your finance background, definitely technical background. Your personality is very, it's amazing. I mean, I've, spoke, I've spoken to you many, many hours over the phone <laughs> and stuff. I also feel it's very unique also for women to bring that aspect to our projects because some of the time guys want to go quick. They want to burn bridges. They want to get done. No, specifically, there is this go-get-it kind of attitude, but I feel like sometimes yeah. women bring that fresh perspective. Say, right. guys, slow down. Have you guys thought about this, right? That's my personal you know, experience with having you know, women on my team. I feel like yeah. it's really more, let's let's do this right. Let's take the pace that the client needs to take for him for them yeah. to get this to work with them. Agreed. So, Agreed. I do agree with that statement on how you get how you use kind of how you kind of work with teams of guys, right? <laughs> what oh. challenges have you seen? <laughs> I actually prefer working with guys. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it's because my personality and their personality gel, we, we gel a little bit better, but, um, I, I personally gravitate. I have more male friends at work than more of the female friends. However, I am all about female empowerment. And when I see someone that's strong, a strong female, I am like all about helping her get to the next level. I do agree that some sometimes male consultants, especially developers, they just want it done, you know, and on to the next one. And I get it because, you know, you've got your billable, you know, you might have utilization targets that you have to make. I get it. But I do agree that females are more interested in the customer service aspect and the building of the relationship aspect especially for me, because I consider myself to be a partner. I don't, I don't consider myself to really, I don't really, I wouldn't really say that I'm like, I, I wouldn't consider myself when I'm working with a client that I'm their consultant. Cause you know, like being a consultant kind of has a stigma. Oh, that's my consultant. Yeah. But I consider myself to be more of a business part, partner. Hey, Britt, this is what I'm thinking of doing. What do you think? Is this something that we can put in the system? How can we optimize it? And then we're talking through it together and working together to get you what you want. I'm more of your business partner than let's say, oh, my consultant that bills me and get this done. Yeah. You know, I try to present myself as more of an, an asset and a business partner. And this is why you need me, you know, to continue to help you. And this is how you can optimize and increase your ROI. And that is more of something that, that, the, that I feel like women do more than men. Yeah, yeah I agree. Uh, do, you, do you agree with that? I mean, just thinking about. I do. Yeah, no, I, yeah. I do agree. And I appreciate that perspective and everything that, um, you know, um, Britt has discussed. Uh, I mean, I do want to ask another question and, and see like, do you think, 
you know, being a, a woman in the space has posed any challenges, has made certain conversations difficult, or, you know, have you ever been shot down where you felt like, you know, it's, it's, it's due to your gender and, you know, I uh, would appreciate your honesty and see like, if you ever felt that way. I, yeah. I, I mean, like, and I hate to say, cause sometimes I, like I've had a, a customer that's a little rough around the edges, right. You know, car parts type of company. Mm-hmm. Um, not the car audio company, another customer okay. where it was car parts. They sell car parts like from China and they bring them in gotcha. and they sell it online. So you can imagine that's kind of like a rough around the edges type of company. Okay. Um, and I did feel like there was initial like respect issues right. um, initially just in talking, just like not believing what I say or like sometimes you need like a, he needed like a second voice yeah. to tell him the same thing that I already said. Yeah, um, but I kind of feel like that can happen in any instance. I don't want to say, I do feel like with him, it was because I was a female. I do feel like he needed, he needed a male voice. And like when I brought another consultant in that was a male, I felt like he, he worked better with him. Um, But I've also seen it in other ways too. I've seen it like, for example, the fact that I'm an accountant and another person isn't the accountant and you know, they're telling them something and then I come in and I say it as the accountant and like, Oh yeah. And it's the same thing that that person already said, (laughs) you know, and they're like, Oh yeah, you're right. And now I'm like, but he said the same thing. (laughs) (laughs) You know? So I just, I think it's confidence. Um, a lot of it is confidence, you know, even if you don't really know everything exactly, nobody can, it's impossible. We see how robust the system is. Like there is nobody on earth. Even Evan Goldberg does not know every single thing about NetSuite. Like it's impossible. (laughs) There's too much going on. It's constantly getting updated, constantly adding bundles. There's so many different features. It's it's impossible. Like for instance, I have to look at billing schedules tomorrow. I used to work with billing schedules like a year ago. I have to go back and brush up on it because I haven't seen yeah. it in a long yeah. time. <laughs> you know, like, exactly. you know, but you know, you have to manage those expectations with clients too, because then clients feel like, oh, well, you're the NetSuite consultant. You're supposed to know everything about the system. And that's yeah. another reason why building a relationship with your customers is so important because you can be comfortable to say, hey, listen, I have never worked with advanced revenue management. But let me read up on it. I understand the concept. Let me read up on the functionality in NetSuite. Yeah. And if you have a great relationship, they get that. Yeah. But when you're already in a contentious situation, you know, they don't really trust you. You know, when you're saying, oh, I don't really know about it. And then what am I paying you for? You yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> so you kind of get more rope, I think, and more leeway when there's a relationship. You know, you get more rope and leeway to like look into things. And it's not like, well, you're in NetSuite. Aren't you supposed to know every single thing about what's happening in NetSuite? You know, and then you can have like nice fun conversations about how the system has all these things. And, you know, like, I don't know every single thing, but I'll figure it out. <laughs> no, that's true. Because I was talking, I think last week, uh, podcast, we're also talking about how to build like long, like long-term relationship with your customers. I think one thing that came out from Derek as well is that you have that moment in time 
when I think his example was when your customers start telling you things that has nothing to do with what what what, what they hired you for, <laughs> it means exactly you, that's there, when like, you, you know, know. telling you about hey hey Derek or you know great we have this company want to buy next week I'm not sure if there's anything that's to do with it but yeah just what do you tell oh just kind of say hey this weekend I don't know. I, I, yep. I was fishing this weekend and I got to see what the situation happened. I thought about this over the weekend. That's yep. when you feel like, okay, now this is happening. But again, I think you have to you have to work towards that, right? If you're you not in that it. mindset, you're looking for the transaction, then you're also going to be very transactional in the way they speak to you, right? So that's one. The other aspect is, again, going back to network. As you said, no one knows everything in NetSuite. From early on, start building your network of people you know that knows more stuff than you do. Right, or people that you can help out. So it, go, it goes both ways, right? You help them, they help you out. I think that's why OD Cloud became kind of the community that everyone wants to kind of look into. But the idea was pretty simple when we started. I have two or three buddies that you can call up very quickly, even tell, tell your clients about them. Like, hey, I don't know this response right now, but let me call up a few people I know. I'll get back to you. Don't be afraid to tell your client, hey, I don't know, but I, I know two or three buddies that may know. And if you need to bring them into a conversation, let me just invite this guy to join our call. He's probably going to have a better insight than I do. So those two things you mentioned is really kind of fully critical in surviving, also thriving as a consultant, right? Agreed. So thanks for bringing those up. For sure. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. yeah, I totally agree. And and like and like again, confidence. Yeah. Because the minute they smell blood in the water. <laughs> yeah. The minute there's like an inkling, you're not sure, and you don't say it. Like if you say, "I'm not sure," like honest, I I don't know for sure. Let me find somebody, or let me look up, look it up a little bit. But if you're like, "Uh, uh, uh, maybe I, yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. If you know, say with confidence, and if you don't know, say with confidence too. (laughs) So. So as, as, as we conclude our session here, I have one more question for you, Britt. Like if you could go back, you know, and, and tell yourself uh, or guide yourself otherwise, maybe from a schooling perspective or give yourself some advice, knowing what you know today about where you ended up in your career and in the, in, on the tech side versus finance. And this is primarily for younger male and female listeners that maybe, you know, thinking about, uh, you know, which path to take. Uh, what what would you what advice would you give yourself? You know, if you could go back and tell and tell yourself anything. Uh, what would I tell myself? <laughs> I would probably tell myself not to focus, like in my instance, not to yeah. focus so much on you know management's expectations, and rather focus more on learning the system long term. Because imagine. I left that company, yeah. you know, and I'm not even really working with fintech companies. And I spent a lot of time stressing about their expectations of NetSuite as opposed to spending more time in learning this at that point, learning the system as much as I should. Yeah. And I probably would have been way further ahead in the system than I am now if I had focused more on learning the system and getting myself great in the system, because think about it, you're not going to stay at the company for a hundred years. You're not going to stay there for your entire career. You know, you're going to leave and it's transferable skills. It's not like, you know, you may never see the system again and the system's so intuitive. You can go to work day and it's, it's intuitive like NetSuite or even QuickBooks is intuitive like NetSuite. You know, so it's transferable. So I would say to myself, relax, 
slow down, stop stressing about expectations, learn the system, digest the system, you know, do stuff to improve yourself in the system. Make sure you get a cert. I remember I had the opportunity to get a certification. I don't know if it was something that was a part of the package that we bought or, Mm -hmm. you know, like even the training classes, you know, we bought a package of training classes and I was just, oh, I'm too busy, too busy, too busy, like doing all the daily work and not investing the time in myself and learning for myself, the system. And I, if I could go back now, I would have spent more time doing those training classes and trying to get certified early, as opposed to focusing so much on his business and, you know, making everything wonderful for their business. And then, you know, you, you leave and, and now, you know, NetSuite's still here. And I, and I left that company and I should have focused more on, you know, bettering myself. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. So I would say relax, slow down, take a breath, you know, refocus in because at the end of the day, it's a skill for you. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, yeah, I think that's, that's a good point because one thing to just to you know, go back to that same question, when you are young, I mean, when I was young, it was always task at a time. I take a task, I want a task. But when you take a step back, was the process, right? Like even learning mm-hmm. something like if I had to go back to school right now, I know I would learn things differently because mm-hmm. even like learning from my, you know, from my college degree, you take the book, page one, page two, page three. But what it is that I've learned today about, you know, how to learn is you have process, you have things, you have patterns, right? Yeah. Identify patterns, identify things you can, you know, if I'm working for a pharma company, I'm working for a FinTech company, what are the things that kind of transfers to other com- industries as well? Like right. what are the industry industry I would say um, industry um, how do you say that processes right as yeah. opposed to my company specific processes exactly what is the industry best practice exactly be at that level learn the best practices of that industry because that you go to a different company then you can bring that insight right as opposed to saying hey with this company we have like twenty five thousand subsidiaries or segments <laughs> now what is the best practice in that moment exactly try to get to that best practice process level. Uh, kind of thing as opposed to just being like you know specific about the task so oriented yeah, you know yeah. so yeah. no it's a, it's a good point process driven think of you know bettering yourself that will always be for me that's the one thing bettering yourself can never be wrong <laughs> yeah you have to like take that time out not just to just focus in on the company and you know getting this done for the company you know you have to focus in on being better yourself and transferring your skills if you're not there anymore yeah, yeah. So, Absolutely. That's uh, yeah. Do we have any other questions for Britt? This was, uh, I mean, no. I think this concludes yeah, our session. I think this was uh, great. Again, uh, Britt, thanks for joining us and giving us your perspective. Uh, you know, coming over from finance and moving into uh, into the technical side, and also providing some valuable insights. Being being a female in this in the space, being a woman in the space. So, uh, really appreciate your insights and uh, you know uh, your valuable feedback. And uh, and yeah, thanks again for joining us. Yeah, and we'll bring, Thank and you if you don't mind, yeah, if you don't mind, breathe, we're going to bring you back on. I mean, this session that yeah. meant to be, you know, we'll talk again in a couple of weeks and yeah. see where you stand, you know, where, where you are at that, at that point in time. But yeah, this is something that we want you to be part of, you know, come and join us from time to time. So, yeah. Let's do it. This was fun. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. All right. All well, right, guys. Well, have a great rest of your day. day. You too. Thank you so much. Uh, Thank right. you. Bye. So All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.